Hello and welcome to the Diabetes Dugout with Brighty and Peachy, brought to you by the Diabetes Football Community. This is your regular dose of all things football and diabetes as we bring you the stories of those affected by the condition who have a love of the sport. Everything we share and talk about on this podcast is from personal experience and if you have any concerns about the management of your condition, you should always check in with a healthcare professional. Now, with all that said, let's crack on with the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Diabetes Dugout. With me today, as always, my co-host, Mr. Chris Bright. Brighty, how are we doing? I'm very well, mate. How about you? Uh, can't complain. Can't complain. How's your week been? Well, it's very busy at the moment. I don't know about yourself, but it feels like ever since the lockdown or uh, restrictions eased, things have just gone a bit crazy. My life seems to be so busy, which is good, by the way, because before it really wasn't very busy. Definitely, definitely um, agree with that. It seems the same, but on the um, restrictions being lifted, we've got good news, haven't we? We've got a date for our first session. We have. We are making very good progress in terms of getting things back off the ground with certainly the men's uh, diuro team. We've been in discussions with a venue and a place to host those sessions and uh, all but final confirmation of those dates, we should hopefully have a couple in the diary within the next two months to get everybody back together. So that is definitely a cause for celebration after such a long time without seeing everyone. And obviously us having to adapt to being online completely just feels like I, I don't know. I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing, to be honest, mate. And I know you'll be excited about it as well. Yeah, mate, it's that some of these lads we haven't seen for 18 months, at least, and, and lots of new faces as well that have, have, have joined in the, in the last 18 months as well. It's going to be good. Absolutely. I think it's been a really long time since I've seen so many of the guys that were involved, maybe even at Dio Euro in 2019. And then obviously the last session that we had back in um, March 2020. So it's been a real big challenge for us to be apart for such a while and for the project to obviously continue without having that physical in-person connection that we've built up with so many of the community. So, yeah, I'm just I'm buzzing, mate. I am absolutely buzzing that we can bring it back. And now that it is just a month or two away, um, I'm super excited and uh yeah, we can start building again. And that's important that we can start building and we can start looking for progression, looking to what we do next in terms of that project. And, and is there any danger of seeing you with your, your playing boots on or are you still bottling it and claiming you're now a coach? What, what are we looking at? <laughs> John, you know as well as I do that as soon as the balls come out, my trainers will be done up and I'll be on the court offering to show arguably nobody how it's done. <laughs> you reckon you still got it now you're in your 30s? Oof. 
I'm not sure, mate. We're going to have to wait and see, aren't we? we it's, um, I've been training, um, still got it. I think that's going to have to be the decision of everybody else. Arguably, my best years are behind me. If there's something still left in the tank, then I'll be absolutely delighted that it's still there as I'm into my 30s. Um, but obviously very blessed that I've got to this place and I'm still able to play and, you know, I've managed to overcome injuries and, you know, I can still get out there and run about a bit. But you did say about coaching and as much as I love playing is so much, I'm going to obviously have to take a step in the coaching direction at some point. And obviously with this project, that's going to be something I will need to look over and consider and probably take more of a step onto the coaching. Sounds good, mate. Really looking forward to it. I think it'd be good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it as well, mate. So, yep, that's coming soon, along with some other very exciting news, which links quite nicely to who we've got on today, John. So who have we got on? Well, what we're going to do this time, I'm not going to introduce this person. I'm going to fire out some questions and this person is effectively going to introduce themselves by answering these questions. So first question, what is your name? First of all, hi, guys. My name is Katie McLean. How old yes, are you, Katie? For... I'm, I'm 21 in 10 what days. Was... Oh, 21 in 10 days. <laughs> Huge. The big 21. Huge. <laughs> what position do you play? I'm a goalkeeper. And which team do you play for? I currently play for Watford Women. Which team do you support? <laughs> I support Chelsea. Oh, should we... Should we cut it now, Bertie? <laughs> I knew you were going to make a comment, mate. I knew you were going to go there. Apologies. That's all right. We can, we can, we can move on. Um, what age were you diagnosed with diabetes? Um, I was diagnosed at three years old. Wow. Um, do you have a pump or do you have injections? Um, I've been doing injections all my life however as of monday i will be starting up with the omnipod dash pump oh i'd love to hear how that goes because i've got my trial in july had it confirmed this oh, week oh fab. fab so I'd, I'd love to hear how that goes um do you finger prick or do you use a cgm i use a cgm so i currently use a freestyle libra best people do apparently I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> What's your current job? Uh, I'm a carer for the elderly. What's your dream job? It's got to be just full-time footballer, hasn't it? <laughs> Can't really say it's anything every, else. Everyone's dream job, isn't it? <laughs> um, and final one. What's your favourite food? It's got to be chicken. Just can't beat chicken. Plain chicken. It doesn't matter how it's cooked. It doesn't matter how it's cooked. Just chicken all day, every day. Can't go wrong. It's, yeah, I can't disagree with that, really. <laughs> Brilliant. So, Katie, thanks for those. Hopefully, that's just given the listeners just a, a little bit of an insight, um, a little bit more, a little bit more about you. Um, I want to just sort of touch on and, and, and just chat to you a bit more. Your diagnosis, age three. 
tell tell me a little bit about it well first of all I like to think of being diagnosed as young as three is quite a lucky thing because I have no memory before Mm. that so for me my life with diabetes is all I've ever known for me this is my normal so in that in that context I I think of myself quite lucky as opposed to someone that might have been diagnosed later on maybe sort of young teenagers or even you know I know some people that have been diagnosed in their 20s and for me looking at it having to change and adapt to what diabetes throws at you at that age obviously I can't understand how that must feel but that's why I look at myself as being quite lucky because I, I didn't have much to think about in that context. Yeah. I, I, I um, completely read that. I, I was diagnosed age five and I, I think it's I like exactly the same as you. I, I, I see myself as lucky and see so many youngsters and teenagers and people in their twenties and thirties being diagnosed who have experienced it differently, haven't they? And, it's, mm-hmm. I just think it's yeah. I, I completely relate to what you're saying about um, yeah being diagnosed at, at such a young age. So what I'm, I'm assuming you can't remember anything about it, but what what can you remember? Or what have you been told about the, about the the day of diagnosis or, or the days building up to it, and and what what sort of happened and, and how you were diagnosed? Yeah, of course. Obviously, as you say, I'm I'm not going to remember that. <laughs> myself so everything I know is sort of what my parents have told me um so I basically had sort of the main symptoms I was always thirsty I was going to the toilet a lot you know I was I was always hungry there was a lot of the main symptoms that I had and my parents took me to the doctors um straight away they sort of said okay let's get some tests done um and yeah sort of from that day that was I think it was a a very very quick turnaround to sort of okay it might be diabetes to this is what it is um but yeah and my parents often say to me and I think sometimes it's not brought up enough in terms of a parent's point of view that it is a scary thing for parents to go through. And especially in those early days when you might not know much about it. You know, my my parents telling me, it sounds kind of brutal, but they thought I was gonna die because they had no idea. Obviously everyone has a brief um, sort of insight as to what diabetes is, but unless you know someone with diabetes or you have it yourself or a family member, you don't know what it actually entails. So for them, it was quite, quite a scary time. Um, But it soon, soon changed, obviously, you know, when you're diagnosed, you go through all the learning. We often, uh, we often say it's like learning a whole new language. You know, you, you say to someone, oh, one second, I just need to give my insulin a go. What's insulin? So I think everything put together, we, my family, sort of consider it like a new, a new language, I guess. Yeah. No, I think that's, 
that's a really good way of looking at it. And I, I, I agree exactly with what you're saying about um, the the scary side for parents with that. And, and it's actually something that me and Brighty have chatted about getting some parents on to, to chat about it from the, the parents' point of view. And I know that through chatting to my mum and dad as well and and sort of what they went through. I mean, I was, I'm slightly older than you, so I was diagnosed mid-80s and the the technology and everything back then was, was completely different. Um, and just, yeah, just the the pressure that's put on them to basically, you, you're, they've got to make these correct decisions to keep their child alive on a daily basis it's it, I, I just think it's incredible and and hats off and a massive respect to to all the parents and carers out there who are who are helping the, the, the these young children i think that's i think that's incredible um do, have you got a first memory at all of of um sort of w- when you realized you were diabetic or or what it meant to you to to be diabetic yeah I mean it's a bit of a funny first memory but so I was diagnosed I think it was just shy of a month before my fourth birthday and for some strange reason I just remember on my birthday having the birthday cake and everyone was all my friends around the table and I remember just having plasters up my arm obviously as a new diabetic you're not used to all the needles and things like that so back in the day, as I say, I used to do my blood test in my upper arm. And because of obviously how new it was to my body, a lot of the time they would bleed quite heavily. So I just have this first memory on my fourth birthday of just having all these plasters like scattered over my arms. And don't ask me why, but that is just what has stuck I think I don't have a specific memory in terms of when I realized sort of what diabetes meant and what that meant for me and my future but I guess I don't particularly have that because of being diagnosed so young because that was my normal I didn't really see it as something that was sort of new or different shall we say yeah no I think that's yeah, wow, some memories there, Katie. Um, <laughs> that you know, to be remembering things like that from an early age with type one diabetes, having those because that's not exactly positive memories, is it? Do you know what I mean? That's kind of uh, they stick out, don't they? And does, do you find yourself thinking about them or thinking negative thoughts about that time in your life? Um, I do I think Um, to be honest I I think we all do I think as as diabetics especially those I've spoken to we tend to reflect on the negatives more so than the positives unless the positive is massive and I think that's because especially when I was younger up until uh, we got in contact I actually knew no one close with diabetes I had so basically in hindsight sort of back and forth in with uh, the previous question as well when I was diagnosed uh, my dad actually uh, at his workplace at the time he was very open with 
you know, his colleagues was asking questions and he was very open with explaining what happened and the symptoms that I had. And because of how open he was, it actually resulted in one of his colleagues. And they won't mind me saying this because they're lovely people and we talk about it all the time. But it was actually my dad speaking out to them that helped his colleague realise that her daughter actually also had type 1. And since then, her and her brother have both been diagnosed. They're both on insulin pumps. And we sort of stayed in contact over the years. Um, And, yeah, I think it's even like little things like that that stick in my mind. You know, if if I hadn't been diagnosed, perhaps, um, you know, would would Cheska, her name is, would, would she have been diagnosed as early as she would? Yeah, absolutely. It kind of, it helps you, I suppose, frame it from a negative into a positive as well, because your early memories of it with those, you know, those plasters sticking out in your mind and, and, and that being there for you so vividly, I suppose something like that helps you change a little bit of maybe the, that negative mindset into something that's slightly more positive around it, because you have undoubtedly there with your experience your diagnosis and then with your dad being open about it you have impacted on somebody else becoming you know saved by insulin and and becoming a type 1 diabetic albeit nobody wants to become one but actually you know you become at least you become safe by being then diagnosed with with type 1 diabetes and being put onto insulin yeah definitely definitely so Obviously, we're, we're running through memories. We're, we're taking you back. So I wanted to take you back now to probably something that goes more positively into your um, back catalogue of memories. So where did the link to you and football begin? Where was that? How did that come about? When did you start? Um, so I actually started playing football very young. Um, I think I was about four years old. Um, and that simply came about from my older brother. Um, he plays, or he used to play football. And, you know, it, it just become a family thing where it was every Saturday morning, me, my brother, and my dad would all go to his football game. And, you know, I started kicking the ball about with them. And my, my dad was one of those where in the club, he'd done this, he'd done that, he'd done everything. <laughs> Yeah. So we we were sort of the first ones there, the last ones to leave. And so obviously while my dad was sorting things out, me and my brother would be kicking the ball about and it just sort of started from there and they started bringing me on for a few minutes here, a few minutes there. And I think a couple of years later is when uh, sort of my age group was old enough to have our own team. Mm-hmm. And so that was for a team called Adderbury Park in Oxfordshire and yeah since I think it was I think it was about five or six years old when we had our first team and since then up until I was 12 13 years old I played in boys football and then how did you get the link to becoming a goalkeeper then you know there's a there's a bit of a difference from you know starting to kick a ball getting into a team 
did you go straight into being a goalkeeper or was it kind of there's always an, there always seems to be an interesting story around how people become a goalkeeper so what was your story for becoming a goalkeeper um I think I think for me personally being in a boys football team I was the only girl on the team I wasn't always past the ball um because it wasn't popular for girls to be playing football so I think that alongside with whenever I used to go to the park to play footy with my brother he'd be he was a striker so it was a case of Katie can you stand in the goal so I can shoot at you (laughs) and so not that I was forced into it by my brother but he certainly played a big part in it and I can remember just one one training session um, I went up to the manager and I said can I be a goalkeeper and sort of collectively me and my manager and my dad all had a conversation about it and you know I think it was a bit of like are you sure <laughs> and yeah since then I, I just haven't looked back and I, I can imagine you knew you were going to become a good goalkeeper when your brother started getting frustrated when you were saving all of his shots <laughs> of course not that he'd <laughs> want me to say that <laughs> Well, you've just said it on the podcast now, so I'm looking forward to his reaction when, when he hears it, <laughs> sorry, when you Dan. send it to him. <laughs> yeah, sorry, bro. <laughs> um, and then that links nicely to, you know, we've said there, you know, you've become a goalkeeper. You're doing well for yourself now. How has things progressed to the point now where you're playing for Watford's women's team? So how have you got to that stage? Of course. So uh, once I sort of got to the end of girls football, um, I was still playing grassroots for my local side. Um, And there was a bit of a jump. So I went straight from under 16s to women's football. Um, And then still I was just playing for my grass, my local grassroots side. Um, I played with them for a couple of seasons and then I moved to play for a couple of teams in Northamptonshire, mm-hmm. uh, one of which was Corby Town. Um, when I was there, I was approached by Northampton Town. Um, so I sort of played a quarter of the season with Corby and then uh, transferred over to Northampton Town, where I finished off the season, winning the league. Got to give that a quick mention. <laughs> That's all right. You can come on here and talk yourself up. We, we enjoy that. <laughs> Can't help it, you know. <laughs> no, celebrate your successes by all means. Of course, of course. Um, so, yeah, and it was once once I finished that season, um, I trialled for Watford, uh, done a few trials, and I think it was on the second trial, um, they'd asked me back, and at this point there was... There was only a few of us goalkeepers left. Um, so that's, you know, I started to get confident. I started thinking, right, okay, you know, this, this, this could be it. And yeah, after that, it was actually right at the beginning of the third session before we'd even got started. And the goalkeeper coach, Illy, um, sort of come up to me and said, we'd like you to be a part of the team next year. So for the last two seasons, I've been playing with Watford Development. Um, I've had a few call-ups to the first team. I've been playing a few friendlies uh, with the first team as well. 
um, since we've gone back after the lockdown. Obviously, our season got null and voided again, mm-hmm. <laughs> annoyingly. Um, so, yeah, we've been playing lots of friendlies and obviously keeping our fitness up. So, so yeah, I'm hoping for, for more positive things for this season, this season coming. And what was it like stepping into a club like Watford and the facilities that are available? And obviously that moment when you when somebody told you that you were going to become a, a Watford player? Um, I'd, I'd say it was a bit of a shock. Um, certainly going from grassroots straight to Watford. Um, so we train at the same uh, ground as the men. So we have access to the same facilities. So I think for me, sort of training on a school's AstroTurf to training in the Dome, having access to the gym at Watford that the men use, you know, the media suites, even things like a physio. You know, it's... Obviously, we have physios at grassroots, but the complete change... It, it was... I can't lie, it was a massive shock and it, it did take me a good couple of months, if not more towards a year to fully adapt to it and even now sometimes I sort of when I enter the training ground it's it still sort of takes you back a little bit yeah bit of a pinch yourself moment every time you go in for training definitely definitely even you know the likes of training and playing with you know Helen Ward Rosie Kamita it's you know it's it's still it still baffles me sometimes. Like you say, I still have to almost pinch myself and realise where I'm at. Well, well done for getting to that position. Obviously, you're now progressing towards what you, you know, you started there at the top, you know, that dream job, wanting to work towards being a full-time player. And it sounds like you are well on the way to making that happen. I just wanted to ask you, you talked there, you mentioned a couple of your teammates by name there. And they are uh, synonymous with the women's game. Um, They're two names that I know well. What is it like with your teammates and your type 1 diabetes, with your condition? How are they responding to it? Do you talk about it? Do they ever say anything? What's that like in the dressing room? Um, Yeah, so for me, I've always been very open with my diabetes. I'd rather sort of, you know, at the start of the season, especially with new players, a lot of the time I get people looking at my arm as if to say, what is that? (laughs) What's that stuck to your arm? Mm -hmm. So for me, even the first season that I joined Watford, I actually had the girls in a group and said, look, I've, I've got type one diabetes. This is my Libra. You might see me on my phone. That's because I'm doing a blood test. Um, You know, if you see something hanging out my belly, I'm just doing my insulin. (laughs) And with that, I think because I'm so open about it, it encourages them to ask questions. And that's what I like. I like people to ask questions so that I can educate them on it. And and then it makes it easier for me if I have to step out of training to treat a low or treat a high. Everyone's so understanding. And even to the point when I come back in, everyone says, Katie, are you all right to come back in? Are you sure you're okay? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that's that's massive for me because it it shows to me that my teammates are looking out for me they want to make sure I'm okay 
and also because, like I say, how open I am, it shows that they have understanding. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like true understanding of of your condition, acceptance of your condition, and uh, a real empathy to what you might be going through, and trying to sort of help you through it and see you as part of the team regardless of anything else that you've got going on at that moment and I'm sure that really helps with the bonds that you've got are there any specific teammates that you would say have really you know gone above and beyond with you in your condition have they ever spoken to you about it at length do they really want to know or ask lots of questions um to be honest I think collectively as a whole the the whole group has been amazing. They, you know, they, they all ask me questions and, you know, I, I said to them um, a few weeks back after we came out of lockdown, I said to the girls, I said, look, I might be a, a bit off here and there because I'm sure all the diabetics listening to this will feel the same way, Go, especially the ones that have been very active and lockdown has meant that you couldn't be as active. You know, I've had to make a lot of changes to, cater for the lack of football and even though I've been keeping up fitness outside it's a completely different type of exercise so having to chop and change different things you know it meant that going back to training I had to do more blood tests I had to be a bit more uh, vigilant with what's going on and my sugar levels are they rising are they falling you know what's going on and the girls I think if one stood out, it would be one of my fellow goalkeepers, Chrissy. And say, for instance, I had quite a, a heavy session and say, for instance, my sugar levels rose a little bit. She would actually say, okay, just drop me a message when you get home so I know you got home safe. And I think it's just the little things like that, knowing that your teammates want to make sure that you're all right. I think for me, that brings me a lot of comfort in knowing that if something did happen at football, I know that the people around me are there and they would care for me. Definitely. That GK union really showing <laughs> itself there as well, isn't it? Definitely. You goalkeepers, you know, sticking together. I know I, I like that. And I think it's really important that you've got great relationships um, at your club. It makes playing sport so much easier. It takes a weight off your mind with everybody knowing what you may potentially be going through at any given stage, whether that's a low or a high. And then the understanding for you to be able to go out and treat it and just get back on with your business. Because as I know, you you know you would be frustrated if people started to treat you differently, but you want people to understand you at the same time. So, you know, when things when you've sorted it out again the understanding that you literally suit back up and you get back out there and you perform with everybody else, I can imagine is a really big part of that understanding and that togetherness that you're probably feeling. Definitely, definitely. So have you ever gone low during a game playing for Watford? Um, yes, I think I have actually. <laughs> What, how Luckily. did you respond to that? What was what was the process? And hopefully you didn't let in any goals whilst that was happening. <laughs> of course not. Good. <laughs> no. Um, but no, so for me, I always have a drink next to the goal. I have a bottle of water and a bottle of 
like Lucasade Sport. So if I don't need it, the bottle of Lucasade stays where it is and I drink the water if I need it. With me, I'm very hyper-aware. I know exactly when I'm going down. Mm-hmm. So for me, during a game, when I feel that, I I personally wait and do a blood test because of my Libra. Obviously, I can see the previous, um, if it, you know, when it dipped, how low it went. So for me, I just drink. I I have my drink. I know how much to to have and to wait a bit longer and then to have a bit more. Um, and then obviously, if it's in the first half at half time, I do a blood test or or at the end of the game. Um, but I've never had to sort of stop the game as such um to to treat a low so i guess i'm i'm quite lucky in in that respect does that ever weigh heavy on your mind you know being a goalkeeper quite an important position within a team the responsibility on you might be a little bit different than it is for me for example so when i play football i might be playing on the wing or as a fullback I can go low in that situation. I might have five minutes off where I don't feel great. Maybe somebody throws me on a Lucozade sport or some glucose tablets. I'll throw them down my neck and within five to 10 minutes, I'll start to feel good again. But I might have a quiet spell within a game. You can't afford a quiet spell in a game if the ball comes your way. Does that ever play on your mind? Have you ever thought about that? Um, yes, definitely. I mean, I have had a few bloopers in training where I've gone a bit low, I've treated it and I've started to come back up, but the symptoms of the low are still there. Mm-hmm. And so I can't lie, I have gone to like catch the ball in training and it has just gone straight through my hands. Um, but, you know, again, the girls understand and we have a good laugh about it. But I think definitely what you're saying in terms of almost that pressure of, if I was to go low in a game, obviously for someone like yourself as an outfield player, if, if you lost the ball, you've got the opportunity to win it back. Mm-hmm. If I miss the ball, it's in the back of the net. Yeah. So I think there definitely is that pressure. But for me, my way of dealing with that is I would I would go into the game with my sugar levels around nine. For me, that's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I know then it would take a lot or something abnormal for it to drop low enough that mistakes could happen. Okay, yeah. No, really good to hear. And I'm sure for everyone listening, a fascinating insight into the goalkeeper's mind, especially of somebody that's living with type 1 diabetes. So thank you for sharing all that. We're going to take a tiny little bit of a break now from the really serious stuff. And I'm going to bring back in Mr. Peach, who's going to bring you 90 seconds of getting to know you questions, Katie. No pressure. No pressure. There's a couple that you need to make sure you answer correctly, simply because you'll upset either me or Brighty on it. So <laughs> I hope you oh, know goodness. which one that is, Katie, and I hope you say the right answer. Yeah, I've got All a right. feeling I know which answer she'll give. I've got I've got a good feeling about it as well, John. So I hope you've got that tally ready because it's another one for Brighty on that one, my friend. 
thing is, if we run out of time, we might not get to ask it. Oh, don't be silly. <laughs> um, right, I've got the timer ready. Are you ready, Mr. Peach? Are you ready, Katie? I'm ready. I'm ready. Perfect. Born right. ready. Three, yes. two, one, started. Who was your hero growing up? My dad. Nice. Should pineapple be on a pizza? Yes. It's our first yes. <laughs> um, Messi or Ronaldo? God, Ronaldo. Haaland or Mbappe? Mbappe. Red sauce or brown sauce? Brown sauce. Tea or coffee? Coffee every day. Good answer. Cat or dog? <laughs> Cat. What's the best feeling in football? Winning. What uh, is your pre-match meal? Pasta. Favourite holiday destination? Oh, God, that's a difficult one. Italy. Xbox or PlayStation? Xbox. Summer or winter? Summer. Uh, what book are you currently reading? I oh, don't read. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jack Grealish or Jesse Lingard? Oh, God. Jack Grealish. Timer. That is the timer. And you know oh. what? What a way to leave it on with the correct answer, Katie. Well done, you. <laughs> oh, God, you know what? That's got my heart palpitations going, you know? <laughs> it was like a, John creates an era of, or sorry, an aura of mastermind around it. I can feel the pressure, <laughs> the lights dim, and there's like just a beam of light just focused on you. You know, metaphorically, of course, obviously this is not really happening, but um, yeah, John John was there applying the pressure on those questions. Um, I wanted to talk to you now as well, Katie, bring it over to TDFC and obviously the diabetes football community with your involvement and how, to begin with, could you tell everybody where you became involved, how you got involved and what drew you in in the first place? Um, to be honest, I think from a young age, I always thought about meeting with other diabetics and how it could sort of come about. And I remember actually in my teenage years looking up diabetic football team and I actually saw the TDFC Facebook page. But I was too scared to approach and too scared to to do anything because for me that was a jump out of my comfort zone I didn't really know any other diabetics um and so yeah and then skip forward to 2019 um Chris yourself actually reached out to me on social media um I have no idea how you found me (laughs) But I think it was, wait, no, it was actually through um, Miss Balmain, wasn't it? It was through a friend of both of ours. Yes. Good old mutual friends. Yeah, absolutely. But um, 
but yeah so and as sort of from that we obviously we got chatting um and yeah from there I think we both had the the same thought and the same the same will that we wanted to drive for a women's team yeah definitely we share a similar vision of what we want to do and what we want to achieve around that idea and you shared your story with us with that world diabetes day video that you released back in 2019 so you put something together for us to share on the diabetes football community what was that like because that was kind of you sharing your story if you like publicly with us and maybe was it for the first time publicly yeah it was I think for me it was a bit of a a bit of a jump in the deep end but in a good way in a good way you know I never like you said I never I never shared my story publicly before and I'd never really been one to be in front of a camera so for me it was it was quite a big step but certainly looking back looking back on it now uh it's a very proud proud moment for for me to have and I think with the feedback that we got from that it's you know it's it's made me realize certainly that there are lots of women out there with diabetes that have the same interests and for me that that was massive it sort of made it all worth <laughs> this, this this stress and anxiety over over putting that video out you know we're we all have our ways of doing things and you know I can't I am a bit of a perfectionist so for me it it was a big step but seeing where it's got us to now it's yeah it's it's great I agree I think you stepping out of your comfort zone there to start with was massive it was huge for you I think as a person I saw you grow with being able to talk about your condition obviously I've gotten to know you better since you talk about it now in a way that's so well um, portrayed it's coherent everything that you put together and you've said on this podcast today it's it's sort of portrayed in a way that everyone can resonate with and I think that's really important because we have up to this point TDFC we've shared a lot about uh, male stories so obviously we've got a men's team we've really focused hard on growing awareness of the condition within football and because historically um, football has been bigger within the the male population it goes without saying that therefore there's probably more people with type 1 diabetes that are men so it kind of it goes hand in hand but as you quite rightly said uh, Katie and as we have also seen through the diabetes football community there are lots of women both engaged in the project and now what we want to do as a as a collective group to grow awareness of women in in football with type 1 diabetes and also and you will have seen this when you shared your story there is a really big element to this about inspiring girls because we are contacted um, so often by parents of um, girls with type 1 diabetes who play football and I think it's so so important to have women involved in football that are living with their condition for them to aspire to be and I think your story Katie being as you know being able to play for Watford you know a really really big football club with um, 
huge status. I think it was really, really important to share that. And it will have inspired um, other women and it will have also inspired many, many girls. So from, from me, obviously on the podcast, just a massive thank you for you to, to do that with us to begin with. And also now I want, you know, what does it mean for you to be involved in our current project with TDFC Women's, where we've just brought together a group of us to start pushing forward this, this idea? And what do you hope to achieve in the, in the next few months? No, yeah, thank, thank you for that. Um, I think for me, being involved, it's, it's massive for me as a person. You know, it, like you say, me back in 2019, to who I am now I think almost publishing that video not only has opened my eyes in terms of the diabetes perspective but it's allowed me to grow as a person so much and with us being able to get a small group of us now that are pushing this woman's team I think for me being a part of that is is massive and it's something that both myself and my family are very proud of. Um, and in terms of moving forward, I think, first of all, the, the drive and the fire that us collectively have in our bellies to get the best out of this that we possibly can. And like you say, to inspire young girls and, and young women, older women, middle-aged women, anyone, Obviously, we're, we're looking to get people involved, whether it's playing football or futsal, coaching, any, anything behind the scenes. It might be, you know, a type 1 diabetic that actually might want to come and do some photography for us at our sessions. It, you know, it might be anything, any, anyone with diabetes that wants to get involved, we're encouraging it from like I say, any, any background, we, we just want a community for females that have an interest in, in football or futsal just to really feel that, that union, I guess. Definitely. And so, so keen that we are able to push this. I'm so grateful that you're involved. I'm really grateful as well to Lucy, Becky and Louise, who are part of that group that we've mentioned there a couple of times that are engaging in these conversations that are helping to drive this uh, movement forward. And we're creating plans and we're putting things in place now to raise awareness. So please keep an eye out. Obviously, this podcast is there to help raise awareness, but we're going to be doing other things on social media to help raise awareness. We're going to be doing things on the website to raise awareness. And all in all, we just want to build this profile because we see it as so important that we've created a really successful men's model for um, diabetes specific futsal. Now I see it and I know that the girls in the group share exactly the same view as me. I think it's so important that we offer that as well for women and then girls to aspire to be involved in as well in the future. So we're a long way down the line now of progressing with that. There's lots of plans in place and, um, I, you know, I'm really, really excited for it. I've spent time speaking to Katie and the team at length in the last few weeks lots of really good things to come and Katie I just wanted to see what do you feel most excited about and what do you 
want us to achieve as maybe a, an end goal by the end of this year or even early into 2022? Um, I think for me, I just want that feeling of togetherness. You know, I, I know obviously we've spoken in depth quite a lot about, you know, for example, that first session that you and the lads had. It's like the first couple of minutes, you're a bit on edge, you're a bit, you know, a bit sceptical. But as soon as you start talking, it's it's like there's just that inside connection you 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 can understand what the other person or the rest of the group has been through you you just have that that basis of an instant connection and I think that's that's what I'm looking forward to most and what I I want most from from this but you know but besides the football puts outside of it I want to feel that connection that I know that the people that I'm surrounded with have been through similar experiences in their life um and I think for me in 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 the upcoming months that's for me one of the biggest goals that I have for the group is that I want us to feel that connection that you know that the feeling of if we wanted to ask a question in the group or you know we we wanted to hold a, a certain conversation that no one's feeling on edge or no one feels that they can't speak up about it. Um, and in terms of like a long-term goal, um, perhaps the end of this year or like you say, pushing into to early next year, I think to really get a good squad going with commitment, with, you know, a, a solid platform for a training basis, for sort of meetings. I think to have something that's put in place consistently, um, I think that would be a, a good goal for us to, to have perhaps by the end of this year. I share those goals with you. And that feeling that you described there of togetherness um, is one that I use a, I use a phrase, if you like, within what happened in the men's squad of being like a band of brothers. And I hope that we can transfer that idea of being a band of brothers across to um, maybe being a band of sisters, you know, completely, yeah, you know, different yeah. phrase, but bringing you all together, that you have that bond, as you said, that togetherness and that ability to ask what, sometimes feels like the the silliest question but can mean so much to somebody who might have been pondering that question for years and that's what has been achieved by coming in via the the men's setting and I really do believe that we can get that off the ground and achieve that for um, our women's movement and getting a big a training base and bringing people together for the future um, where we can have regular meetings, regular sessions, and I hope as well, regular games where you get to play in the same team as each other, which would be an incredible thing to see. Uh, we've achieved it through the men's side in a mainstream league with TDFC London. Uh, we've obviously achieved it, the guys going off to represent um, the UK in, in Dia Euro. I believe we'll get to a stage where we can we can do that with the women's team as well. So 
Um, I think just really to, to summarise that conversation around the women's team, if anybody at all is keen on hearing more about this idea, this push that we have now got, and our working group now that we are um, uh, using our experiences to help push this forward, please do get in touch anywhere on the Diabetes Football Community social media, through the website, email, whatever you'd like to get in contact with us on. Obviously, we've got the new account, which is at TDFC Women's on Twitter, which is probably the best place to go to if anybody wants to send us a message or get in touch with the women's team and steering group specifically. But yeah, I think we're really, really excited to see where this goes. And um, I'm really chuffed that you are on board, Katie, as well as, you know, uh, Louise, Lucy and uh, Becky. No, definitely. Like I said before, it's, you know, it's an absolute pleasure to to be a part of. And yeah, I just hope that we can continue to, to grow as, as quickly as we, we have been recently. Katie, one of the things I wanted to, to talk about is um, something that I noticed on, on one of your, your social media pictures on your on your Instagram. Um, you mentioned earlier about being quite open with your teammates about being diabetic and um Obviously, it's it's much more out there when when you've got your Libra on or when you're in or your Dexcom or, or or you're doing your finger prick in front of everyone or injecting. Um, I noticed a picture of a tattoo you've got. Um, can you tell us what it is and and where it is? Yeah, so um, it's actually a couple of days after my 18th birthday. I decided I wanted to get a medical alert tattoo on my left forearm and it's basically the medical alert symbol and beneath it it says type 1 diabetic and for me the importance of having that kind of reiterates onto more more so with my football I think as a child I always wore the medical alert bracelets and obviously as a goalkeeper, you can't have that on underneath your goalkeeper gloves. It's one, it's uncomfortable. And two, obviously you're not supposed to be wearing jewelry during a game. So for me, in order to know that I'd be safe in terms of if something did happen, obviously say for instance, random example, I'm out for a run, and a hypo catches me off guard and I collapse. If someone was to come, phone an ambulance, the main place is for someone to, one, check your pulse, is your wrists. So for me to have it right next to my wrist, it's, it's big enough and it's clear enough that people notice it. I actually... I went to, funnily enough, get a McDonald's for one of my clients earlier and the lady at the window actually noticed it. And again, then we got onto the topic of talking about diabetes. So I think for me, again, even in that context, you know, people notice it and ask, oh, I like your tattoo. And as soon as someone says they like my tattoo, my first response of, oh, it's a medical tattoo. And then that brings up, the questions are, 
what is it for? And then that leads on to the conversation about diabetes. You, you, you've just completely answered the, the next question because I, I, was, I was fascinated <laughs> as to, but, but just hearing the, the, your reasoning behind it. And I've, I've seen lots of them on, um, on social media. And, and I guess it's just something I've never sort of necessarily thought about the sort of the placing. And, and, and when you said about the, it being right by where, where anyone would, would, would take your pulse, it, I was just thinking, oh, it's, it's great. And, and then when you said about obviously not going to McDonald's for yourself because you're an athlete, um, you, you use the client as an excuse. We've all done that. Um, <laughs> I actually was, I swear. <laughs> no judgment from me, trust me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've got two boys. I use them as my excuse. Um, but yeah, just just thinking. Yeah, is anyone? You you obviously you've had that that conversation today. Is it is it a regular thing that people see it, or is it just uh, like every now and then someone might comment or? is it just sort of it goes unnoticed really would you say is it um I would actually say on a weekly basis um someone would ask me about it um you know I've had some of my clients at work ask me ask me about it and and even for me to talk to them you know sometimes they see my Libra and you know some of them sort of what's that what you know what is that on your arm and some of them are amazed by the technology um and even with my tattoo, some of them are absolutely fascinated because, you know, without being stereotypical, some of the older generation aren't particularly fond of tattoos. So for them to see that and understand that it's it's a meaningful tattoo and it's actually there to, to benefit myself and also... For me, I look at it as an educational thing as well. You know, like you say, people people recognise it and ask about it. So, again, that opens up that massive conversation that you can have. Brilliant. Katie, we're coming towards the end of the podcast now. So I wanted to sort of leave everybody with a, a message from you, really. Now you're being positioned really as a role model for people with type 1 diabetes within football, within the women's game, what sort of message would you pass on to young boys and girls that might be aspiring to be in your footsteps in the future, playing at a good level of football, hoping to be a professional? What would you say to those with type 1 diabetes that might be coming through the ranks in the next few years? Um, I think my main message would be no matter what people tell you as long as you put your mind to it and you take the right steps in the right direction you will always always reach your goals no matter what it is you know I've I've had people tell me I couldn't do it and I look at that as I'm going to prove you wrong I, I don't look at it as a negative thing I use it as a fire I use it as a fire to make me want to drive more so if if anyone has ever doubted you because of your diabetes I would say simply ignore it ignore it use it as the fire in your belly to to push and drive and yes you might have to 
make adjustments. No, it's not going to be easy, but nothing in life comes easy. So you've just got to keep, keep your head down, work hard. And yeah, I'm sure everyone listening to this, as long as you follow, follow your dreams, you will, you will achieve it. Wow. What a message to end on Katie. And one that I resonate very, very much to um, as somebody who used their condition not as a negative but as you said as the fire in my belly to fuel what I wanted to do and achieve so uh, an amazing message for us to to finish on thank you so much for sharing that with us Katie we can't let you go can't let you go just yet because there's a formality of what we do with this podcast is there is always three questions from Mr. Peach to finish on. So Mr. Peach, what numbers have you got ready for Katie this week and what questions is she going to be stumbling upon? So Katie, you need to pick three numbers between one and 26. And what I'll do is I'll fire the question at you. So some of them are, Actually, I was going to say some of the serious ones. No, they're not. None of them are serious ones. Um, just give me your first number between 1 and 26. Okay, I'll go with 24. 24. Um, what boots do you currently wear? Oh, I wear uh, Adidas Predators. The laceless boots. Always worn them? No. No, I've worn them for the last few seasons, but I've previously worn uh, the Nemesis and I was actually wearing Nike a few seasons ago as well. And and why the laceless ones, if it's not an, an, an obvious question? <laughs> Do you know what? They just feel so comfortable. And because of the, the amount of time that I wear boots during the week, for me, comfort is massive. And I can't lie, they just look amazing as well. Brilliant. And, and hopefully by plugging them, you're, you're going to get sent a free pair from Adidas because I'm sure they listen to this <laughs> podcast. Of course. I'm, of I'm sure. Bro- shout out to Adidas. <laughs> exactly. Brighty must have got links somewhere. <laughs> He's oh. got links everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> um, give, me, give me your next number, Katie. Oh, five. Five. Who is your favourite player to watch and why? Oh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Um, I would have to say Mason Mount. And not just because he plays for Chelsea. But I think, considering his age, the maturity that he plays with and some of the skills that he brings his I think his just general way of playing he's very he's very skillful he's very very technical and I think for me it it just intrigues me as a goalkeeper how someone so young can be playing at this at at the level he does with such calmness as well it it pains me to say it but he is he is very good to watch and and the the thought of him and Foden tearing up at the Euros in the summer, uh, it's uh, it, it's exciting. I, th- I think it's 
uh, I think the, 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 there's a good crop of, of young English players coming through. And, and yeah, he's sadly, he's definitely up there. Um, sadly, come on. <laughs> it's, as a Spurs fan, yeah, sadly. <laughs> um, final question. Which number? 17. 17. Oh, I'm going to put you on the spot. And, it's got, and you've got to keep it clean. What's your right. favourite joke? Oh, God. That's like the worst question I could have thought of. <laughs> no one you know can what? remember I'm, I'm jokes. So, I'm so bad. I'm so bad with jokes as well. That's the thing. I See, I just use sarcasm for jokes. I don't know if that's just awful or not, but... <laughs> Do you, want, do you want to change Actually, your number? Yeah, do you know what? I'm going to have to. Go on then. I'm going to have to. Change your number. Ooh. Which one? Let's go 20. 20. Here we go then. Would you rather be stuck in a room with one horse-sized duck or 20 duck-sized horses? <laughs> do you know? <laughs> that is so random. <laughs> I've got to say one. I think I'd have to say one horse-sized duck. Go for that. Why? Do you not think it would attack you? Nah, I, I think <laughs> I, I think consider it. I mean, I know I'm a tall a tall woman, but I think I, I guess it depends on the size, of, like the horse sized duck, though, isn't it? Because if if it's calm, you can just you know chill next to it, maybe lean against it. But yeah, I like the, I like the thought <laughs> process. You've really what, thought what, about what that, Katie. I have, and I. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, it's been a long Brilliant. day. <laughs> Brilliant. That's um. I think we saved the the most sensible one for last. Um, Katie, it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure to to chat to you, and and just I, it's the it's the first time that, that that we've spoken. I know you've you've had the fortune apparently to to speak to Brighty um many a time before and get pestered by him as he as he does to people on social media until they respond um but it, the, the the insight into the, the 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 being diagnosed as a as a youngster and, and something that i could really resonate to the the talking through how how open you, you are about it amongst your teammates i think is really really strong message to to go out to others and just the i want to say thank you for for what you're giving to to TDFC as well, and for setting up this um, this project that's going to be massive with the the TDFC women's, and and it's going to grow and grow and grow, and um, yeah, just 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 the the idea of, of some of these youngsters that are going to become part of TDFC through through what you're doing. So thank you for for doing that. Thank you for giving up your time today to talk to us about it, um, and. Yeah, just shame about the Chelsea comment, but no one's perfect. Oh dear, yeah, no. Thank you for having me on. It's it's been great. It's been great. And just to emulate what John said, uh, really appreciate you coming onto the podcast, Katie, and joining us on the Diabetes Dugout. And I can't wait for so many uh, people to be inspired by your story, the stories of our group of. Uh, wonderfully inspiring women that are going to be involved in the project and then i i hope the many many more that are going to follow in your footsteps as a result of your lead so 
a big thank you from me for all that you're doing, all that you're giving up and all that you are going to do in inspiring the next generation through this project. So a big thank you for joining us on the podcast. And I can't wait to see what we're going to get up to next with the TDFC Women's Project. Well, that's it for this episode. And we just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has tuned in. And don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And whilst you're there, if you could rate and review us, that will help us and the show to reach more people. Whilst if you'd like to get in contact with us about any ideas or thoughts for the show, send us an email about the Diabetes Dugout to the Diabetes Football Community at gmail.com or head to the website www.thediabetesfootballcommunity.com for more information about our project. Thanks for joining us and tune in next time for more stories, inspiration and information about diabetes in football.